All right. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's awesome to worship, isn't it? Worship, worshiping God gives us perspective that we need, doesn't it? It brings us back to that place that we need to be, and it puts him in the place that he's supposed to be. I love it. And we need that daily. We surely need it weekly. Well, open your Bibles with me, if you would, if you have them. Otherwise, it's going to be up on the screen as well. We're going to Hebrews chapter 5. A little bit of a chunk this morning, verses 1 through 10. But I think we can handle it. I think we can. Um, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. And if you would be so kind, let's read that together. And I'll start. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. No one takes this honor upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. God, you are good. And you are the source of all good things. This alone, God, should bring us to worship you. But on top of being a good God, You are also a God who is near. In Jesus, you came and dwelt among us. In Jesus, you became perfected and became our source of eternal salvation to all who believe, Lord. Finally, in Jesus, you became our only true source of hope, of lasting hope. Through your holy word, I pray this morning that you would encourage us in Jesus. Amen. So if you're you're like me, you're asking, who is this Melchizedek Melchizedek guy, right? Okay, so just real quick, I think think for for our purposes this morning, there's just one thing, a couple things that I want us to know about Melchizedek. First of all, you can find him in two places in the Bible. First is in Genesis 14, 18, also in Psalm 110, which our passage today is quoted from Psalm 110, okay? And two things we can derive. We don't know much about him, okay? But what we can derive is that from the Genesis text, he was the king of Salem who blessed Abraham. Okay, that's important because he was obviously for Abraham. He was blessing him. The second thing we know, again, we read it already, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek, and so some kind of priestly order has been named after him, okay? I think there's a, the main reason that the author includes his name in this text is so that we can compare and contrast. 
this new order of Melchizedek to the old order of the Levitical priesthood. Okay? The author wants to make sure we understand the following things. First of all, the Levitical priesthood okay, is, was flawed, but Christ is not as our high priest. Okay? Also, that we should not be looking for any human priests anymore. Okay? Jesus is our high priest. That's all we need. The Bible calls us priests now. Priesthood of all believers. Okay? The, set, the last thing is that the new high, the high priestly order, okay, that if you get your head around Melchizedek coming to bless Abraham, he was not an Israelite. So he was outside of the Israelites. You know, the Old, Old Testament is largely about the blessing of them. And so now bringing in this new Melchizedek figure brings the gospel, the good news, the priesthood of Jesus to all people. That's us. Okay? The Gentiles as we were let into this. And so the purpose of evoking the name of Melchizedek in our passage seems to be to, to show that Jesus is a high priest like none other. Like none other. He is the great high priest and he deserves our attention, honor, and submission. It's been such a blessing to move our family to another country and to learn how to communicate um, in that in that place. And a lot of that, I'm going to share a little bit more, but a lot of the places we lived have a connection with this word, the source. And uh, it's a Chinese word, but go back to that next slide real quick for me, if you would. But learning Chinese has just been such a journey. I want to talk about today how God is our source and everything's kind of going to come back to that. Okay. But here's me trying my best to speak one of my first sermons in Mandarin. Okay. It's tough. Learning another language is humiliating often. In fact, we've been working with the Chinese students over at Life Christian. Is it academy or school? Life Christian Academy. Okay. Uh, Life Christian Academy. And just a couple weeks ago, we were in there for their uh, Christmas chapel, and we got to meet with the students for about 20 minutes afterwards. And I was trying to explain to them, because a lot of them have started this faith journey. Not a lot of them. A few of them have. But some of them are waiting to have full faith to go just to go for Jesus. And I was trying to say in Chinese that they didn't need to have full what is called xinyang, which is faith, okay, in order to follow Jesus. But what they heard was you don't have to have full xinyang to start following Jesus. And I looked at their faces and they were like, "That's I, I go what well, what's what's going on?" And she he said they said to me, "You said xinyang," and I'm like, "Oh, I did." So instead of saying Xinyang, I said Xinya, which means new teeth. <laughs> so I said to the students, I said, you don't have to have full new teeth in order to follow Jesus. And thank God they corrected me on that one. I was able to go back and explain what I meant. Okay, this next slide here shows that character for UN. Say that with me, UN. Kind of flows upward, UN. Okay, this is an awesome character because you see those three dots on the left side there has always has something to do with water okay and so as we know water has a source okay so yuan chuan would be wellspring uh yuan to would again be that the source of the of the place in fact if you go to this just this next part of my slide here huang yuan the place that stephanie talked about has that same yuan the source of the huang river is what it means 
And then the place he talks about with the Yushu and the Tibetans is the Sanjiang Yuan, which means the source of the three major rivers, the Mekong, the Yangtze, and the um, Yellow River all start from their home. So these are the beginnings of this. And I just love this idea of the source. In fact, our ministry, if you've just put it plainly, is simply to lead youth to the source, the only source for comfort, salvation, and hope that there is in Jesus Christ in China. And so that's what we want to do when we're there. So I'll be referring to our passage that we just read quite a bit, but I'm not going to go back and read it again. And so you can follow along with me. But we want to talk today about Jesus as our source of comfort, our source of salvation, and our source of hope. First of all, our source of comfort. I love it. Verse 2 that we just talked about. talks about that these priests were subject to weakness. Now, Christ was not weak. He made himself weak so that he could become strong and become our sacrifice on the cross for, for our sins. But there is a sense that he is now our source of comfort because he's gone through it. He's never, he never sinned, but he was tempted. And he faced the trials that we face. And so that makes him the perfect comforter, doesn't it? Do you want a comforter who can't relate to you, that doesn't know? Jesus knows. Whatever it is you're going through, he understands. A high priest is able to deal gently, the text says, with those who are ignorant and going astray. That's all of us, by the way. Praise God that he is able to do that. Deal gently with us. Can I get an amen on that? Praise God. He's able to deal gently with us. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad Jesus deals gently with you. <laughs> Can you turn to him and say, I'm so glad Jesus deals gently with me. Is what we should be saying. Charles Spurgeon, the amazing orator from of old, has this to say about this concept of him understanding us. Charles Spurgeon writes, It is a commonplace thought, and yet it tastes like nectar to a weary heart. Jesus was tempted as I am. You have heard that truth many times. Have you grasped it? Charles Spurgeon is so great at asking those questions. Have you grasped it? He was tempted to the very same sins into which we fall. Do not associate Jesus from our common manhood. It is a dark room through which you are going through. But Jesus went through it before. It is a sharp fight which you are waging, but Jesus has stood foot to foot with the same enemy. Let us be of good cheer. Christ has come, has borne the load before us, and the blood-stained footsteps of the King of glory may be seen along the road which we traverse at this hour. Praise God. Jesus was also tempted, but we can't stop there, can we? He was tempted but he never faltered. He stood, he stood the course. He went all the way. And that's the only way he could become the perfect comforter for us this morning. He knows. He can understand. At the same time, he has conquered. He has won the battle, as we've sung about many times this morning, again and again. Like I said, we've been working with these LCA uh, Chinese students. And we got a chance to share with them. It's been great to have that avenue for ministry while we're home. We're home for the year, and we travel, and we share about China. But it's great to have something now, you know, something that's going on now. And so these Chinese, we, we, wanted to, we got a chance to bring them the Christmas message at a, at a party that one of the teachers was holding 
And they asked us to come and talk about why we celebrate Christmas. I thought, well, that's a huge topic, right? Where do you start? So I wanted, I focused on Emmanuel in Chinese, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, Shen Yu Woman Tongzai. God is with us. And what that means or should mean to us. And I wanted to share these points with the students. First of all, Jesus is not simply a historical figure. Second, believe it or not, he is near. It doesn't matter if you believe that God is near or not. He is. Third, and he is not just a once, it's not just once upon a time. Because that's like Stephanie shared the resurrection story. Oh, that's a nice once upon a time story. No. This is now. This is still going. This is active. And then finally, that he understands our situation. So I pray that this also would hit us today. Okay? As, as Spurgeon so eloquently puts it, have you, you've heard this truth many times. Have you grasped it? That he is near, that he can comfort you, that he is our comforter. This is what we must grasp. And here's another one that we need to grasp, that, that Jesus is our source of salvation. Verse 9 says, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Okay? I want to ask a question for everyone this morning. Does your salvation move you? And, you know, depending on the day, we're all in that situation where yes, no, yes, greatly or not. But the question I, you know, thinking about why not? Why doesn't it always move me? And obviously we're, we're, we're sinful, we, we struggle, we have these things. But I think part of it is that we stop telling our story, our testimony, what brought us to him? What was that thing that drew you? And what, remember what it was like when you first started that relationship with the living God. I remember Stephen talking with him. And he turned to me that, that, that same day and he said, I never thought God could be this close. And that's what we all need. But we, sometimes we forget that there was that point where we just came. For me, it was my junior year of high school. Kentwood High School. And I was a really good athlete in junior high. And uh, the, that, the skills didn't transfer to high school. I don't know why. <laughs> I just sort of couldn't keep up with the high school's athletics. And I, I was struggling. My sophomore year was okay. Then my junior year is where it really hit. And uh, I found myself, I got cut from the basketball team. And I never saw that coming. And, uh, then, and then baseball, I found myself on the bench for the entire year. And, you know, it's hard to explain, but that was devastating for me, friends. And it was all because I didn't have God in my life. And that's what I had. You see, sports made me feel good about myself. I could be messing up everything else, but the field or the court was good. And, I, and, I, and it, was, it, was, it was bringing me good things, making me, once again, feel good about myself. I had a girlfriend, but she wasn't right for me. I had friends, but once the sports started fading away, I stopped hanging out with them because that's why we were hanging out. And everything was changing. I was doing things I shouldn't do. I felt guilty and ashamed. And I remember in my truck, I had a little Dodge D50, and I'd drive, and I'd, and I'd just cry out to God. I didn't know who he was. I knew he was there somehow. God, I want to change, but I don't know how. I want to change, but I don't know how. Help me change. And somebody invited me to Billy Graham crusade in May 1991. Now I'm dating myself. Okay. And it was amazing. It was in the kingdom. Do you guys know the kingdom? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so the kingdom 
and it was in there. And the, the, the coolest thing, I feel like God did this for me. Mark Brunel came and spoke. He was the Husky quarterback at the time. And he stood up there and he said, you know, football is, so, I love football. He said, but if God took football away from me tomorrow, I'd be okay. Because Jesus is all I need. And I sat there and I thought, that's what I need. And I walked down to the bottom and gave my life to Jesus Christ. And he's changed my life. Absolutely changed my life, redirected it, reintroduced me to the love of my life, my wife, Stephanie. So many things I could tell you about that he's done. Given me direction to China. He's called us. He's sent us. It's amazing. Verse 9 says, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Friends, Jesus is the perfect one today and not us, right? Okay, just get that straight. Okay, I believe in his power to change us as he's changed my life. Has he changed your life? Can I get some nods? You with me? He's changed you. The greatest news I can give you today is that Jesus is our source of salvation and nothing can take that away. We deserve death and hell. But he has given us, the text says, to those who obey him, life eternally and life now. We, we deserved an alienation from God, but he has made us children of the living God. We sang about that this morning. And if you haven't put your faith in him, your trust in him this morning, I urge you, today's the day. Do it. You won't regret it. I, get, I promise you, you will not regret it. So he is our source of comfort. He's our source of salvation. Praise God. And finally, he's our source of hope. This text, I think it starts at 5b. You are my son. Today I have become your father. <laughs> a Star Wars moment there. Your father. Uh, and he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Forever. Say with me, I have Hope and a future in Christ. Say with me, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Awesome. He is our one constant, isn't he? And our future is secured because we have all that we need. We have all that we need. You know, I have a business background. I was a business management major at Western Washington University. Any Western grads? No. Yes. All right. Cool. One, one cool person. Uh, and, then I, and then I worked in business for a couple of years. I, wasn't, I haven't always been a missionary. Um, and I've always been fascinated by economics. And I taught business in China, actually. And one of the things that, you know, I'm very, fairly familiar with this free market capitalism thing we've got going on in America. And we see a contrast in... Uh, we have seen a contrast in China, of course, and just for the record, I'm not a communist, okay? I'm just going to talk about free market capitalism for a moment, but I, I really love it, and it's a wonderful thing. We have an incredible country. Our economy is better than any country in the world right now. I mean, really, comparatively, we're doing wonderfully, okay? We have clean water. We have air, clean air. We have space to move around. You know, I, I'm getting a great perspective from these Chinese students, really. Because they're coming to America from the place I live, and they're coming over here to live, and I'm talking to them, and they say, you know, when we get to the 
when we get to SeaTac Airport, we come out the door. He said, "From 飞机场出来以后，我们的眼睛被绿色充满了。He said, "When we come out of the airport, all we see is green, man. Everything's green. It's wonderful." I agree, right? In the Northwest, it's awesome. Then, as they get in there in the cars to take them to their host family's home, they see the roads and the buildings, and you know what they're seeing is prosperity, guys. They're seeing prosperity because God has blessed our country. We have it really good. As part of my graduate studies up in Canada, I got to sit under a guy named Dr.、Uh, Craig Gay. And、uh, he wrote a book called "Cash Values: Analyzing Capitalism from a Christian Perspective." And the things he comes up with are great. It's a great system. It's it's produced amazing amount of prosperity. It has alleviated poverty on a scale never seen before, and so much more. But there's one big challenge with free market capitalism, and we need to be aware of it as Christians. Not reject it. I'm not saying throw it out. Just be aware that it breeds discontent, friends. It breeds our system. Is created. It, it works because people want more and more. We want more. They make more. We want more. It's that, that's how it works. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with getting new stuff. We just all got new stuff. I got new stuff. Okay. But we we need to understand that that's how it works. And if we're not careful as believers, we're going to fall into the negative Nancy syndrome. Okay. And we don't have enough. We don't have enough truth. What did I just say? We have everything we need. Brene Brown, an author I've been following recently, she did an amazing TED Talk,、um, and she is a sociologist, written like five books so far. She talks about this. She feels like our culture has moved from a a culture of plenty, more than enough, to a culture of scarcity in the last ten years. I don't know if she, I don't, if if she's right. This could result. This could impact our hope as believers. So I just want to point it out. I don't know if she's right or not. I haven't been back long enough to really see it. But if she's, you know, if she's right, we could become dis, discontented pessimists. Okay, if if we're if we're falling into the cultural trap, but we're supposed to be becoming content optimists. All right. Jesus is not the source of worry and discontentment. Amen. He is a source of hope, and so that scarcity, you know, we just need to be aware. We need to, we need to not look at our possessions. We need to look to the source. That's what keeps us from falling in the traps. That's why worship is so important. You know, we cannot maintain hope unless we keep our eyes on Christ. Money can be used for both good and evil. It's I feel it's neutral in in a sense. But money can become an idol, can it? That's something we place in, put in God's place, especially when we're worried about it. And that's hard because some of you are probably facing things that I don't know about. But I would encourage you keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, I, I don't want to talk about the problem. I want to talk about the solution. Okay? How can we stay focused on the source? Well, Brene Brown again says that. We have gone from this culture of excess to culture of scarcity, and I'm thinking, what happened to just enough? I mean, Americans, we we can be a little bit extreme. Either there's wait so much for everybody, oh, there's not enough for anybody. You know, what happened to just plain old enough? And I think maybe there's a 
you know, and who determines what enough is? There's all kinds of questions that brings up. But once again, the answer of maintaining hope for me this morning, one answer is, and I think you're going to think it's too simple, but I'm going to say it again, I, it's worship. It's worship. Putting God in his proper place, declaring who he is, breaks down our idols and releases us to live for him. Thomas uh, Chrisholm wrote the, hymn, wrote the poem at that time, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Okay, have you heard of it? Had it sung at our wedding. And it just reminded me, it's been great to think about it this week. Um, but Thomas Chrisholm had an ordinary life. He was born in uh, Franklin, Kentucky, in a log cabin. He met Jesus when he was 27 years old. And he was a, he was a, life, uh, he was a pastor for one year, but he was too sickly. He couldn't do it. Being a pastor is hard work, so he couldn't do it, right? And so he became a life insurance agent. agent. And during, while he was a life insurance agent, he wrote 1,200 poems. One of them was, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And I'm told, I read, as the story goes, that as he sold insurance, that inspired him to write, Great is Thy Faithfulness, because he saw a lot of the people he was selling insurance to were buying it, buying the insurance out of fear. And so he would read the poem to them as he signed them up for insurance to help them understand that it's not fear we're doing this for. It's just smart. You know, that was what he was trying to do. Here's a quote from him. My income has not been large at any time due to, due to impaired health in the early years, which has followed me on until now. Although I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God, and that he has given me many wonderful displays of his providing care, for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. And I thought it would be cool this morning to put this as a practical uh, finish to this message. I'm going to come back and pray with you in just a minute. To sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, together. I'm not going to let you listen to my voice. Huh? These guys sing a lot better. But if you'll stand with us and sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Praise God. Praise God. All we have needed, stay standing with me for just a second longer. All we have needed, His hand has provided. We talked about, he, you want comfort? Jesus can comfort you right now. And maybe He'll use a brother or sister to do that for you as well. Be the hands and feet. Lord, if you want salvation, oh, He's got it. He's got it. He can change your life right now. And he's changing, and he continues to change our lives. If you want hope, he's the source of hope. All that we need, he's there for us. Praise God. Let's pray together. God, through your son, Jesus Christ, you are our source of comfort. You have shown yourself to be Emmanuel, God with us, and have come and suffered like we suffer. Yet you conquered. Jesus, due to, due to his, his perfect life, sorry, has become our source of salvation as well. Lord, thank you so much. May you never, will you help us never to grow tired, Lord, of remembering the salvation that you've given to us and all of its benefits. Finally, dear God, you are our source of hope. When the world is worrying about this or that, Help us to proclaim and live out your great faithfulness in our lives, Lord. Lord, in this new year, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. 
but we know that you are in control, that you are good, that you are faithful, that you're able to comfort us through it. You've saved us in it and out of it, Lord, and you are our hope. So help us, God, we pray. Give us strength. Give us perspective. And most of all, when we're down, when we're face down, help us to put our heads up. Be the lifter of our heads to turn to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.